Come on, come on, come on. We can do better than that. Come on, let's praise the name of Jesus. Let's exalt the name of Jesus. Let's magnify the great name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, praise you, and exalt you. We pray for your continued support and strength in our lives, Lord God, that you would work out your will and just speak plainly to our hearts and bless every home under the sound of my voice, our sick and shut in, our bereaved. We pray, Lord God, that you would give us marching orders individually and corporately. In Jesus' name, we give you the praise. Amen. Come on. Come on. Give me some volume, God. Give me some volume. All right. You may be seated and uh, uh, thank God again from whom all blessings flow. And we do have this major mentoring event uh, April 23rd from 10 a.m. to 1. I'm asking everybody to be here as we partner with mayors and other dignitaries on this most crucial uh, aspect of uh, ministry. Now, Deacon Armstead received a, a note today. He said, Pastor Gordon, you don't know me, but I drive by your church every day on my way to work and from work. I am daily encouraged by your bold testimony and witness on your sign. It warms my heart being reminded that Jesus Christ is Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Praise his name. So we thank the Lord again from whom all blessings flow. Now tonight, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to kind of dovetail where we were, praise Jesus, and uh, uh, try to get, uh, hallelujah. Try to try to try to pick back up where we uh, left off. Ephesians chapter four. I wanna I wanna read uh, this in your hearing. Of course, this coming Sunday is communion and then celebration of the Lord's Supper, and uh, we are just thankful again. We're in Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. I wanna just point out some observations before I move on this subject that we've been dealing with called the balanced diet. And uh, um, Paul, Paul, Paul says in Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, then the therefore automatically takes us back to the benediction of chapter 3, verse 20, where he says, Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly, and, and, and again, these words are superlatives in the Greek. Does anybody know what a superlative is? A superlative in English is a word that's used because there's no greater word to use. It's, it's a heightened way of communication. So he says uh, he's able to do exceeding, and, and he lays a foundation of exceeding, and then he says, well, I, I really can't go any further in the English, but let me give you another word, abundantly which is above exceedingly, and then above, which is above abundantly, of all we ask or think according to the power that worketh, and this is a working power in us, the power of the Holy Spirit. It is a working power. And we have to remain, we have to remember that God has given us, listen to this, 
a working power. Too many Christians, and that's why we're going to go back and at some juncture handle this acronym TULIP, um, not that we're trying to substantiate uh, TULIP as being all truth, the five-point Calvinism. What we want to do is study it out and, and, and investigate whether those particular points are biblically true or not. It's, it's fine. We don't need to be threatened. But the problem is there is a power because of our salvation that's working in us. Now, he's not only working in us, he's working for us, right? He's working in us, the Holy Spirit, and he's working for us. So there are some things that God does not want us to try to do. Let the worker do the work. Isn't that right? So when it comes to your habits, God never asked you in your own strength to quit your habits. We have somebody that's working in us and somebody that's working for us and somebody that's going to work things out, amen, uh, in, in place of us. We, we have um, this, you know, prepositions are directional, so every direction we've been called out, ek, and we've been called into, amen. We've been called from, we've been called to. Um, so one of the things that we read too fast is that the power that's working in us and unto him be glory. And then he says, I therefore, 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 since there is a power working in us, since we have the paraclete, one that comes alongside to help out our infirmities. Are y'all with me? Since we have this power on the inside working in us, working for us, working through us, working back unto us, he says, I can, this is Paul talking, I can see myself as a prisoner. I'm a slave. I'm in handcuffs for Jesus Christ. I'm a slave. I'm a prisoner for Jesus Christ. And, and, and one of the hard turns that we have to make is that, and I want you to hear this because this is really uh, applicable to the born-again believer. We have been taught on the natural side that we mature as we become independent. All of us have been taught that, right? We mature as we become independent. I'm going to come back to that scenario but in Christ, once you get saved, God doesn't want you to be independent. God wants you to learn over how to be dependent. And, and if you continue to try to be independent at his, amen, estimation, at his risk, you're going to run into problems. Because God wants us to be dependent upon him. Are y'all getting this picture? So one of the things that we have to understand, Paul says, when Ephesians 4, he says in Ephesians uh, 3, amen, and 20, in this benediction of superlatives, there's a power that's working in us. And I'm going to build on that because every victory that I ever experienced in Christ was because there was a power working in me. Can't take, can't take credit for overcoming sin. Can't take credit for making the right decisions. Can't take credit 
um, for being yielded to the Spirit. There, there is a power that's working in us, working for us, uh, and, and, and that power, that power gives us the ultimate victory, all right? Now, 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 notice we're in Ephesians 4. I just want go to go to Ephesians 4 and verse 15 because I'm going to pick up my lesson plan from this tonight. Speaking the truth in what? In love. Now, everybody can't speak the truth in love. One of the things we established last week, and we're going to go over it again, is that <clears throat> truth without love is brutality. You just, you just, you just brutalizing somebody with the word. If you don't have love when you share the word, you're, you're just brutal. God ain't in it. Okay? And, and um, um, truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. Now let's, let's look at those two concepts tonight because the one thing we have to understand, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give you a balanced diet tonight of, of doctrine, is that you have your proponents that say, well, um, you know, we don't, we, we don't need to be judgmental of what people get into. No, well, that ain't in the Bible. The Bible says don't be judgmental of people's motives. What you can't see, you become a judge. Or judging what people are doing in their lives, lead it up to God. Right? But the Bible emphasizes that not only do we need to have truth and love, we need to have love and truth. So if, if you're teaching or preaching truth um, without love is brutality, but if you're giving a bunch of love with no truth is hypocrisy. Because the word is clear what God has to say about subjects. We don't need to wait for the Pope. We don't need to wait for some Democrat or Republican candidate to tell us what the word we got the word husbands agape your wives as christ agape the church that's a principle we don't we don't need to wait on an explanation of that well she's a trip the bible didn't say anything about her being a trip the bible says love her in spite of her being a trip Wives, respect your husbands. The two hardest thing for the genders to do is what God is asking them to do. Wives don't submit, husbands don't love. It's in your DNA from the fall. Remember Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve fell? Every, every, every difficulty we're experiencing right now goes back to the fall. Everything, everything goes back to fall. And, 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 and we understand. So the Holy Spirit in Genesis 1-2, because there was wreck and ruin, he moved. So here's what the Holy Spirit is doing in our personal lives. He's moving. He's motivating. He's changing. He's bringing about, amen, a control mechanism in our lives to live, to talk, to think righteously. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't do it anyhow. All right, so, so, so one of the things that Paul says in Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love, that ye may grow up. 
into him in all things. Now, now let's, let's not read too fast. We got to grow up in all things. We got to grow up in all things. We got to grow up in all things. Which is the head, even what? Christ. So there's a need for the people in the body of Christ to grow up. From whom the whole body fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working, look at that participle, I-N-G, working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself. In what? Now, I, I, don't, I don't read all this, but it really goes to the end of the chapter. Paul says this for, this I say, verse 17, therefore, test, uh, uh, he says, testify in the Lord, and ye henceforth walk no other, walk not as other Gentiles, unsaved people, in the vanity emptiness of your mind, but having your understanding, and having your understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness, not of the eyes, but of the heart. Are y'all getting this? Pay attention now. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness and greed with greediness, but Look at verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. In all your learning, you're coming up bankrupt because character and conduct are not being changed. I'm going to come back to those um, things momentarily. Mm. So he says in verse 21, chapter 4 of Ephesians, if so be that ye have heard him, Jesus, and have been taught by him as the truth is in who? Jesus, that ye put off, metaphor of getting dressed, put off this, and then he tells you later on to put on certain other clothing. And verse 29, don't let corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is used for what? Now, now let's stop, look up. Anything that's not edifying, God calls corrupt. If it's not building up the body of Christ, God says it's corrupt. Now you can, you can, you know, hey man, I got a joke. It's funny. All right. <laughs> God is consciously changing us through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's working in us, for us, through us. All right. Are y'all getting this? And then verse 30 says, and whatever you do, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. This is not from God. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has given you. So chapter 4 is loaded with precepts. But all the precepts are predicated on the Holy Spirit working in me. He's working in me. He's working for me. He's working through me. He's working in me. Now, this, this process does not take place overnight. And so... Tonight, what I want to do is dive back into where we were, and I'm going to um, look at four principles tonight, but I'm going to spend time on three of them 
um, the mature believer in Jesus Christ displays a balance in their Christian life. Only the mature can have a balance. Immature Christians don't have a balance. Pause and purposely. Just like a well-rounded meal, a balanced meal is meat, fish, uh, starch, green vegetables. That's balanced. And it's been, it's been proven that that balanced meal gives nutrients to all different parts of your body. So if you keep eating an imbalanced meal, you start stunning your growth. Am I right? Like potato chips. So because what tends to happen is that that, that, that matter of... Now let's, let's kind of look intuitively um, at ourselves about balance. Balance is hard. Balance, is, balance has always been difficult. For me to live a balanced life is very difficult. I need a lot of concentration. I need a lot of discipline to live a balanced life. So what do you mean by balanced life? Well, okay, uh, am I loving my wife as Christ of the church? Am I loving and taking care of my kids and being a model to my kids? Am I, am I tithing? Am I, am I committed to my Christ? Am I walking in the light? Am I edifying the flock? Am I glorifying his name? So when you start looking at this matter of balance, typically we do one thing right and about three or four things wrong. Are y'all getting this? So the Spirit of God comes along and says, no, 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 we're going to have a balanced life, a balanced life. And it takes, it takes a lot of things to have a balanced life. It takes prayer. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes you being persuaded. It, there, there's a lot of things to this balance um, of life. And, and figuratively and metaphorically, spiritually, uh, when we start looking at this balanced life, there are principles which help us to understand what the balanced life is all about. Let me, let, me, let me use this alliteration to see. First of all, if I'm living under the controlling uh, power of the Holy Spirit, if he's working in me, I have character. Christians without character are not connected. You can say whatever you want to say. I had character 29 years ago when I stepped in this place. Why? Because it wasn't me, it was the Holy Spirit. We're going to do everything above board. Ain't no, nothing done under the table. There's no, we're not going back to them slick ways. We're going we're gonna to do this thing right so God can bless the work. God don't bless mess. Are y'all getting this? God exposes mess. God don't bless mess. So, so character is one of the things that comes out of being connected. Character is not what you bought to St. Matthew's. I know y'all think y'all, when y'all walked in here, you had a character glow in your head. No, you had Vaseline on your face. Char character only comes from being, and, and the people in the world that are not saved and, and, and you think they're displaying character is really not character, it's connected to their pride. I'll get on that in a minute. True character comes because we're connected into God. That's what true character comes from. So character is that um, my display of righteousness is evident. 
We got character. We didn't always have character in the world. We had, we had other stuff in the world. We didn't get caught. Let that one soak in. We didn't get caught in everything we was into. Mm-hmm. Let that one sink in. Just let it sink in. Oh, you know, Ray, you're so nice. I just didn't get caught. <laughs> I, you, ain't, you, you haven't seen it all. True character. And, and it doesn't mean that your character can't fluctuate. You can be up one day, down the next. True character is a connection to the working of the Holy Spirit on the inside. All right. Character helps our conduct. What changes the conduct is that there's character pushing the conduct. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then we have uh, character pushes the conduct. Conduct helps us keep certain controls in our lives. We can talk about controls all day long. Okay. Sunday we were dealing with temptation part one. And I dealt with the fact that temptations, uh, you know, I dealt with temptations are those solicitations to do evil to bring about fulfillment. No temptation can fulfill you. The carrying out of a temptation cannot fulfill you. That's a lie from Satan. It's a temporary pill that will wear off. And we dealt, we dealt with fulfillment, then we dealt with fantasies. Then we dealt with fractures. Every time Satan tempts us, a man, every man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed that the, the goal that Satan is laying out there is that if you buy his plan, you will be fulfilled. Your fantasies will be met, and your fractures will be healed. And you don't need God to do it. You can do this. So just go on and push the button. Make the choice. And that's one of the temptations to, 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 to the elect. One of the great temptations to the elect is do your own thing. Make it happen. You don't need to pray and wait. Just go on and make the right decision. Use your common sense. And, 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 and uh, having sense is not common. So we got character, conduct, controls, compassion. Don't we have to learn how to be compassionate? We are just as cold as those Pharisees in John chapter 8. Yeah, we caught her in the act. Now Moses said we ought to stone her. What do you got to say? Jesus got on the ground and just started writing. Where do you think that attitude comes from? And let me say something to you. My 29 years of pastoring has taught me people who want to kill, maim, and destroy and judge others, they got more baggage than the law allows. They hide in something. That whole, that whole 
that whole initiative that you want to, that you think something ought to be handled. And, and, you know, the Bible tells us in Matthew 18 that if a brother's overtaking a fault, you know, it, it tells us in, in, in Romans 15, you that are spiritual restore. But when you go back to Matthew 18, the process is the one that is offended is the one that's got to make the move. If you're offended, then you got to come to me one-on-one, not go to the church. You come to me and say, you hurt my feelings, and give me the opportunity to say, I'm sorry. And once I say that, this whole thing is gone, released. We ain't been taught that. And let me tell you why we will not go back to the person who offended us, because in us, we really don't want to forgive the person. We really don't, we want to hold on to that. We'd rather gossip than win a brother or sister to Christ. And James says, we all have offended. So one of the things is, and, and that's, that's something, that's a principle you teach. Sometimes I may be here offending Sister Arnold, not even know it. Sister Arnold got responsibility to say, Pastor, I'm sorry, baby. Da, da, da. That's, now it's between me and her. Nobody else is in there. Now, the Bible says if she comes to me and I won't listen, then you go get two or three others. Only if I won't listen. And then if you get the two and three others and I still don't listen, take it to the leadership of the church. The Bible is clear. And, and, and so one, one of the things that has to take place in this, in this economy of character, conduct, control, compassion, commitments, uh, is that they only belong to the mature. Only mature people want to do that. The immature is going to be divisive. Divisive. They're drunk with pride and power. They love to stir up gossip. All, all that's immaturity. God wants you to keep things quiet through the power of the Holy Spirit so that others don't come into this circle. Are y'all, are y'all getting this? So that others don't come into this circle of criticism and, listen to this, character assassination. Deuteronomy 17 says, you better have two or three eyewitnesses before you accuse somebody or the spirit is going to jump on you and in Israel they, they put false witnesses to death you know and, and, and I'm just saying because God says nothing should divide the body of Christ anything that's divisive is satanic and, 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 and so pretty, based on these Paul gives us four key principles and we're going to deal with these principles to a, um, not, not, not only are we divisive and drunk with power and pride and have desires that are ungodly, but we are dysfunctional spiritually. So Paul comes along and says, okay, let me, let me lay out in this, in this arena of freedom, chapter 8 to chapter 10, this arena of freedom, let's, let's deal with a balanced diet, a balanced approach. And that's why the Bible says we're much given, much is required. 
Now, let me go back to something very practical that y'all can agree with. I, I don't remember how old I was. When I turned 12 or 13, it was one of the two years, my mother gave me a door key. Now, we didn't, you know, we didn't smile. Oh, good. With the door key came greater scrutiny. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Don't you let nobody in my house. You can put that key in that door and swing it if you want. And they had the uncanny ability to leave and my mother go to Penn Fruit, 19th and Oregon. My father, and they come back from the grocery store, and my mother could walk in the house and say, who's sitting on my couch? <laughs> I, just uncanny. And, and, and the couch had that plastic stuff on it. You, you didn't think in the summertime you wanted to sit there anyway. Lord, have mercy. So with the door key came more what? Scrutiny. So, so you, you might be happy to get a door key, but you get your head taken off if you misuse it. Good principle, isn't it? Or they give you a curfew, and we had curfews. I'm laughing because everything I'm saying, kids, kids don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we had curfews. Summertime, school's out. Be back on this step at 930. That was at a certain age. And we stretched it, you know. 20 minutes to 10, and we looking up and down the street, talking to the little girls, you know. My dad was built. He, I, I seen this white T-shirt. He walked fast. He come around the corner. And, 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 and we, and you know, the, the, the one thing we wanted to escape, we don't want to get beat in front of our friends. So therefore, run. Let them beat you in the house, but run. And me and my brother, boy, we ran through the alley of South Philly, ran. And my dad, he, look, he was walking fast. Then he started slow walking. And I said, why is he slow walking? Well, we got to the screen door. The screen door was locked. <laughs> Which means now the whole block won't witness this. <laughs> oh, those were the days. Weren't they, weren't, 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 weren't they the days? Let's give our parents a hand clap. Come on. Come on. Give them a hand clap. Hallelujah. Didn't they do that thing right? Woo. Here we go. See, the problem with this generation and the problem with us, we want privileges, but we don't want responsibility. We want, we want the goodies, but we don't want the responsibility. So if I make a girl pregnant at 18 and 19, you know, I got in and got some goodies, didn't last, but I don't want to now take care of a baby. And what tends to happen is, if we keep crossing that same street, we never get healed. We just go from one situation to another where we're displaying an immature, unaccountable action. I learned mine from my parents and then seven years in the military. We, we, we were accountable. They made you accountable. 
And, and now looking back, I thank God for that in my life. They made you accountable. Made you accountable. You uh, had to be to work on time. They didn't want to hear nothing about you had a cold. They, they, you know, you know the stuff we, you know the lies we give our bosses. Couldn't do that in the military. They ain't, they ain't play that, you know, because somebody, because you was relieving somebody else from a shift. Are y'all getting this? Here we go. So, <clears throat> in all my recklessness, here I am. 1972, when me and Juan was stationed in Andrews down D.C. And I said, I'm going home this weekend, you know, two two hour drive to D.C., two and a half. He lived in New York, uh, four hours in New York. And um, so my my commander, you know, my NCYC said, you got to be at your desk by 7.30 to relieve, you know, in the comm center. I left South Philly at 5 o'clock. Put my fatigues on, they were starch, put my hat on, got in my car, and the feeling was 70. I was going 95, 100. <laughs> and at 7.30, I was sitting at my desk. Till one day, I'm going through Baltimore, Maryland, and the state trooper stopped me. And the only thing saved me was my uniform. He said, soldier, where you going doing 100 miles an hour? I'm trying to get to work. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you go because you're in the military. You know, Vietnam was going on. He said, but I'm getting on this horn right now. And the next time you speed, we're going to take your car from you, and we're going to lock you up. I said, yes, sir. So now I couldn't leave South Philly at 5 o'clock no more. <laughs> Left it at 4.30. <laughs> now, now, have I grown since 72? You better believe it. I ain't even trying to speed. I ain't even trying to reach a destination after the fact. Where did that responsibility come from? It came because I started growing up and becoming mature. Are y'all getting what I'm trying to say? Uh, uh, and, and, and as your kids grow up, they're going to make mistakes like you and I made. They're going to make mistakes of judgment. They're going to make mistakes of decision. They're going to make mistakes with people. And they're going to grow from the same mistakes just like we grew from them. Right? So here comes Paul with these principles. Turn to 1 Corinthians 8. We went over that. The first principle is our knowledge must be balanced by love. Knowledge in verses 1 and 2, chapter 8, 1 Corinthians. Turn back to your left. Chapter 8, 1 Corinthians. We're going to deal with these principles. Um, amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> the Lamb. We, we was going up to New York in a church van. Juan Peterson was driving, and he was flying. Juan was in the U.S. Marshals, had his badge, his gun, and everything. Cops pulled us over up in New York, and he said, where you going? And, and Juan, said, Juan said, we're going to New York. He said, well, he, you know you're speeding. So Juan flipped his badge, U.S. Marshals. Cops said, I don't want to see that. <laughs> I died laughing. I said, boy, ain't nothing right. Oh, God. Oh. A cop going to lock up a U.S. Marshal. Look at this. Uh, so when we look at verses 1 and 2, he's talking about knowledge. And knowledge can puff up in verse 1, right? 
So there's an imbalance between knowledge and love. Knowledge can puff up, you know, people that know it all. And I was saying this Sunday, hey, you, know, you, know, you know what's funny? Just like through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have characteristics of Christ. Through the old nature, we have characteristics of Satan. And the characteristics of Satan is that people can get right up in your face and be against you. Jesus told Judas, oh, you're going to portray me with a kiss? And by the way, Judas' job description was, Judas was the treasurer, he carried the money. And he had a nerve to rebuke Jesus when the woman took the alabaster box of expensive oil and cracked it on Jesus' head and let the oil come down. Judas said, we could have got some money for this. Why waste, why, why waste the oil? See, see, what I'm trying to say is Judas meant no good long time ago. Anything we pour on Jesus is worthy. So, so, so he, he already had a track record. So, so knowledge and, and, and know-it-all attitudes in verses 1 and 2 have to be balanced by verses 3 to 6, love. And then conscience, 7 to 13. Real quick, we, we covered this. The word conscience means to know with God's moral law. The conscience is the alarm system. It's not the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's the alarm system we have in us. Even when I was in the world, before I got saved, I had an alarm system. There's certain things I ain't doing. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, I'm going to, now wait a minute. I'm going to hell. I'm going to burn in hell, but I'm not doing that. We had an alarm system. Um, and, and, and Paul talks about this conscious in, in verses 17, I mean 7 to 15, 7 to 13, and we can get weak in conscience or we will not grow in the word because we don't want a diet of Bible study. You know how hard it is to get this church, and I commend you guys, to come in here on Wednesdays and learn the word of God. Now let me talk about staff. Coming to church and coming to Bible study is mandatory for staff. If you're going to work here, you got to be here. And I'm taking roles. I do take roles. So I don't know if Reverend Jackson is here because I'm taking roles or, 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 or if he's here because he loves the word. To me, it doesn't matter. He better be here. He going to learn to love the word in the name of Jesus. Now, now you say, well, well, well that's kind of harsh. No, it's not. Our business is Jesus Christ. Our business is spirituality. Why am I going to let you work here, not even come to church, not come and get the word, and then you working in a spiritual place? That doesn't even make sense. So, so what, so, I mean, this place ought to be packed out on Wednesdays just to get the word. A hunger and thirst after righteousness. Are y'all getting this? I'm not there because the pastor asked me to be there. I'm there because I want to be there. I'm there because the word is going to fortify, build me up. The word cannot come back void. The word is going to increase my faith, increase my uh, fortitude, and reduce my fractures. That's what that word is going to do. 
At 3 o'clock in the morning when Satan steps into your room, past ain't there, lights ain't on, church ain't open, but you've got the paraclete who just gave you the word of God. And that word, that word, that word, that word is going to sustain you. Not no rhyme and no poetry, the word. I don't want to hear no poetry. Jack and Jill went up the hill. I don't care about Jack nor Jill. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me lay claim to what I'm talking about. The Wizard of Oz came out in 1935. I watched The Wizard of Oz every year along the Ten Commandments all my life. Now, you look at The Wizard of Oz, you look at Darcy, Darcy was a great young lady, wasn't she? Go in the background and check out her life. She was married and divorced eight times. Couldn't find happiness. That little girl that went up the yellow brick road was shattered in her real life. I was listening to Motown. And one of the temptations, I don't miss the name, used to beat on Tammy Terrell. Tammy Terrell died at 23 with brain tumors. At the time she died, Marvin Gaye was going with her. They was in love. She died on the stage. Marvin Gaye never got over it. The history. Y'all ain't getting this. So when, so when I think of Tammy Terrell, if I could build my whole world around you, ain't no mountain high. I mean, great stuff, but her life was a tragedy. Dorothy, Wizard of Oz, her life was a tragedy. And if you are not walking with Jesus, your life is going to be a tragedy. So when we look for fulfillment and happiness, uh, it's not all that Hollywood cuts it out to be, is it? It's not. People got problems. And you can have problems with money. Money is not a deliverance. I see the look on y'all faces. Let me try. I, I, I understand. I understand. I, 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 I do understand. I'd rather have problems rich than broke, right? <laughs> a, lady, a lady who hit the lottery came out and said it was the worst thing ever happened to her. Her kids were threatened ki uh, to be kidnapped. She had to look over her shoulder every time, and relatives came that she didn't even know she had. <laughs> I'm your fourth cousin, really? So if all of us had $10 million a night, there's no guarantee you're going to be happy. I know. I know. I hear you. I feel you. I feel you. And I do not preach about you playing the lottery. Never do I preach about you playing the lottery. If you do, and if you hit, don't say nothing to Lorna, Sister G, Ernie on, say, just come to my study. And I'll, and I'll put some oil on you, that's all. I'm the thief. When you come in your kingdom, 
Remember me, right? <laughs> don't be putting no checks on the altar. We don't want everybody to see that. All right, look at this. Check it out. Now, check it out. So, uh, raise his name. So knowledge is balanced by love. Love is the greatest commodity that God has given us. The hard part for us that's caught up in the word and doctrine is to be able to defend what we believe and yet do it in a loving sense. That's the hardest thing for us to do. Because those of us that love truth typically have to learn how to love. Mm -hmm. So when your wife, your husband, your children make a mistake, love should permeate that whole relationship, right? Love, love, love is kind. Love is forgiving. Love is tender. Remember that? Um, why, why do we struggle with love? Anybody want to take a stab at that? And we do struggle with love. Why do we struggle with love? Because we feel vulnerable. We feel vulnerable when we, because if we show love all the time, you're scared somebody's going to take advantage of you. Is that it? Isn't that deep? Just the opposite. If you can show love all the time, you will free others that won't be freed any other way. I, look, I love you and I accept you. I don't agree with what you're doing. You hear the power of those words? I love you and I accept you. I don't agree with what you're doing, but I love you. That's hard for us to do. It's hard for all of us to do. Um, so, I, you know, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will give me the love of Christ for everybody. And, we, and it's easier for us to love some people than others. Right? How many of y'all love y'all bosses at work? You love them. Raise your hand. Look at that. Look at that. Look at look at look at look at that. Look at look at that. And the person raised their hand. Oh, I got three hands. You better raise your hand. You better raise your hand. I didn't notice who was raising their hand. This stuff is tough. In a tough tongue. It's hard to love everybody. And we can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, show me something in that person that I can focus on and love them in spite of. So, so I asked Sister Gordon, do you love me? She said, yeah. I said, give me five reasons you love me. Don't come up with three. So, so, <laughs> and there's some nights when you're married, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Uh, how many ways? None. <laughs> but we're we going we gonna to move on anyway, in the name of Jesus. That's all right. Then they've done that. Um, this, the, 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 the second principle, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, really the second principle is 1 Corinthians 9. I don't want to cover that. Authority must be balanced by accountability. And Paul talks about his apostleship. That where, you know, if you got rank, you have to have uh, the ability to 
act and do right with that particular rank. But chapter 10 is where we left off, and I want to get there. Very critical, chapter 10. Because in chapter 9, Paul says, I beat my body to bring it under subjection. All right, so, so here we are in chapter 10. What's the principle? Our experiences must be balanced by caution. Chapter 10, 1 to 22. Now let's look at chapter 10. We were here. He deals with a review of their freedom, 10, 1 to 4. Are y'all with me? And he's going back into Israel. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should, under, that be, that you should not be ignorant. And, and the word all is used repeatedly that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through, and all were baptized uh, unto Moses in the cloud, in the sea, and all did eat the same spiritual meat, manna, and, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, uh, uh, Exodus 17, when water came out of a rock, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, so the principle here is they, they were all under the cloud, they all ate the spiritual meat, they all passed through the Red Sea, uh, 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 all, 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 but the, the, the review of their freedom moves us into the rebellion of their freedom. Five to ten. What was the rebellion? They were guilty of idolatry. Uh, Exodus 32, Sister Arnold, where they built a golden calf. They were guilty of immorality. They, they, they rose up to play. They had an orgy. They, they were guilty of insubordination numbers uh, to Moses. So the review and the, re and, and the rebellion is interesting, and the principles that come out of this is that privileges does not guarantee success. Privileges does not guarantee success. Because you and I have privileges doesn't mean we're going to be successful. And then guarantees, look, good beginnings does not equate to good endings. Hmm. In Exodus 32, God removed their freedom. And, and so what Paul is teaching are principles, and principle-based teaching is the, is, is the most extraordinary teaching you can find, that he's, he's dealing with this matter of our experiences must be balanced by caution. So here we go. I got a lot of experiences in life. Did a lot of things, went a lot of places. My experiences are not something I need to trust. My experiences are something that has to be balanced by caution. Are y'all getting this? Why? Because I experienced certain things running the world that Satan would say, hey man, you need to pick that back up. You know, it worked then, it can work now. I need to be cautioned. Are y'all getting this? By what I deem as an experience. All right. I, I need to be cautioned. How we handle our money. Uh, what, what we do with our time. What we do with our talents. What we, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da. So all of our experiences can corrupt if we don't have a cautionary note in our lives. Because you got high 20 years ago and it was fun, you better be cautioned about getting high now. You're older, your heart is weaker, you're on medicine. 
I tell the church I'm not responsible. I'm over 50 and I'm on medicine, so leave me alone. But, 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 but my point is, our, our systems can't take the stuff we used to take. I was 19 overseas, with, look, with a fifth in front of me. Caught, drinking, partying. I can't do that no more. I don't want to do it no more. But I can't do it no more. I can't do it no more. Because if I got high all over again, and you fall, I'm going to sit there and laugh at you. And that ain't something a pastor ought to do. You tripping, I'm sitting there. Ah! You know, that, that's... So what are some of the experiences that we experience that we got to be cautioned now about? Reckless sex. There's a thing called AIDS. We, we just need to talk about it. Don't we need to talk about it? You got mosquitoes hitting pregnant women, and the brains are, and the brains are smaller, and, and they're going through all kinds of trepidations, and the president went to Congress and said, we need a billion dollars. They won't even pass a bill for it. Interesting. Listen to what's going on. What, what are some of the experiences that ought to put up red flags or caution now? Right? And we're getting quiet. Hmm. Hmm. Lead in the water, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff. Picking up women in the bar. Yeah. Yeah. Picking up women in the bar. Get to the door, just make sure it's a woman. I don't, don't I don't I don't I don't want to be like my boy overseas. I do I d I don't want to be like my boy overseas now. He, Because I will not stop laughing at that guy. Uh, but anyway, a top counselor said that. I just feel I said, yeah. But that's true. Anybody want to take a stab at the uh, what? What was what was part of our experiences that now, as we get older and more mature, we got to look at with caution. We, we clubbing, that's all. See, I ain't got no desire to club. Real, really. I, I mean, I really don't. I don't have no desire to go to club. I did when I first got saved, and that's. That's the difference between the maturity and immature Christians. You know what I'm saying? I did that club scene. Ain't nothing there for me. It's the same routine. It's all a lie. You get dressed, you go in there, you act like you're having a good time, you get a phone number, you come out, and you just met the witch, wicked witch of the West, <laughs> and, and, and ain't nothing going to go right for the rest of your life, whatever, whatever. You know, you just go on to church. Um, anybody else want to take a stab? Yes, darling. Social media, internet, internet went out when we was out there. So what is it about social media? No, 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 Sister Gray. Oh, the temptations now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sister Gordon told me one day that you would not believe the, the amount of pastors that are addicted to pornography. Addicted to pornography. Pastors. Because that's a secret sin. You ain't doing it in the pulpit on Sunday. Oh, let's praise the Lord. And you get home. (laughs) 
How many of y'all got a sexual addiction? Oh, this is great. This is a great church. This is a great church. You know what? Lord, this is the church of Philadelphia and Smyrna. somebody got an addiction they've mastered how to look without turning their head what are you looking at nothing all right let's move on praise the name of Jesus all right real quick we only got a couple minutes um so so our 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 experiences must be balanced by um caution and 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 then our knowledge no I dealt I dealt with that let me let me deal with this other principle our freedom must be balanced by responsibility chapter 10 23 33 real quick as we close let's look at this mature Christians have freedoms all things are lawful but all things are not expedient okay do not be the cause of being a stumbling block to somebody else so you don't, you don't uh, parade is the key word. You don't parade what you feel free to do. Everybody can't go there. All right. And 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 so Paul, Paul, uh, we had a responsibility to 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 fellow Christians. We had a responsibility to glorify God in all things. We had a responsibility to, um, Amen. To, to become last and not first. That when we look at this matter of freedom, not being balanced by responsibility. And you know, the more I go back when I was 19, 20, I was, I was in the military, I was 24, I just made some reckless decisions. And my prayer for my son was, Lord, don't let him, don't let him repeat this. I made a lot of reckless decisions that could have harmed me and others, could have put me out of the box, just reckless, reckless stuff. Um, little did I know that in all my recklessness that God was going to call me to help facilitate other lives. And that's why I'm transparent. I will not be a phony or a hypocrite up here. Ask me no questions, tell you no lies. I'm not doing it. Why? Because I don't want you to walk out of here saying, you know, Pastor never struggled with anything. And maybe something's wrong with me because I'm struggling with everything. Are y'all getting my picture? And we don't need to parade sin. We don't need to tell everybody your business. What we need to do, if you're a teacher in this church, my expectations is for you to be transparent. If you're teaching a course, just say, listen, uh, it, let's say Sherman's teaching on marriage. I, I value him because I need him to say every once in a while, I too have struggled in marriage. That helps the class to breathe. You up here teaching and preaching, they never hear nothing from you. Like they sitting under Jesus when you got all that junk in your backyard. And, and, and so the reason you're trying to protect your reputation is because the spirit ain't doing the teaching. 
You, you need to be transparent. You don't need to say, I, I was a fornicator and adulterator and I was addicted to pornography. You ain't got to do all that. All you got to say is, if, if I'm teaching a class on values and ethics, all I need to do is level. You know what? This is a hard switch. This is a hard change. There are things that was in my life that I had no control over. The Spirit of God had to help me get over it. Here's what people do. Thank you, Jesus. They can breathe in If I go to counseling with a professional counselor and I never hear them ever confess anything, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to sit with them. I need somebody that can level with me. I blew money. I, I was out there. I, I struggled through this. I struggled through that. But God is able. I kept my hand in God's hand. I stayed in that word, and the Lord delivered me. Now, who gets the credit? The Lord. And then people want to come back to you for the second class. If I told you the trick, that we, well, it wasn't a trick. I'm closing on this. You know why this church grew, exploded? Because I was teaching right doctrine, and I was transparent about who I was. And my whole purpose was to exalt him. People came. We had 50 people a week joining the church. The Philadelphia Eagles came down here. Reggie White and all came down. People said, I ain't never heard nothing like this. Because I was just being honest with them. Here's where the Lord brought me from. Am I still doing them things? No, by the grace of God, I'm not. But here's where the Lord brought It gave people hope. You can't keep preaching and teaching down to people. I'm struggling with drinking. I'm struggling with drugs. I'm struggling with pornography. I'm struggling with sex. I'm struggling with being fulfilled. And all I hear about you is nothing. You got it all together. I dare you, one time, just make an admission to the class and say, you know what? I want to take three minutes just to say where the Lord brought me from. You will revolutionize people's lives. That's what you'll do. You'll revolutionize their lives. And they will come back to you and make you their teacher. Because you've given them hope. Are y'all getting this? And all of us got those skeletons in the closet. Some of y'all, I, I saw in the world, I saw in clubs. I know what you got. Y'all, somebody come in, I said, boy, they look familiar. I don't see them somewhere. Any questions? Any statements? Let me, as we stand, listen. It's called the risk of disclosing yourself. Try it. Just the risk of disclosing yourself. Let's stay on our feet. Let's get the Lord a hand clap. Come on. If there's somebody here that wants to be saved, just raise your hand. Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again. You must receive him into your life, believe in death, burial, and resurrection. Is there one where you want to join the church? Anybody in here? Sunday is communion. We thank God for you. We had a great, great men's retreat, and we'll be saying more about that. And the 23rd, of course, is our mentoring. We want everybody here on a Saturday for 10 o'clock. 
got mayors and dignitaries going to be here. We'll say more about that. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for these principles of Paul that helps us with our sense of freedom, that there has to be a balance in our lives between knowledge and love. Oh, God, and between experience and caution, between freedom, oh, God, and our ability to set others free. As we leave this place, grow us up in you and help us to display Jesus Christ to a dying and dark world. And it is in his name we pray. Bless every home under the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Now turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, if you continue in the word, then you will.